This program contains strong language and sexual references from the outset and throughout. Hi, I'm Aileen. And I'm Morag. And together we are... Two Sluts, One Book. Hello and welcome to episode two of Two Sluts, One Book, a podcast where we talk about a different book each episode, tackling the juicy topics of sex, bodies and gender. So welcome to our slutty little book club. Nice to have you back. (laughs) Aileen, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. I've had a glorious week of quarantining. Yes, I'm As you know, (laughs) you're right here beside me. How did that go for you? Um, yeah, you know, got lots of work done. Got somebody. I read a great book, uh, which (laughs) is not this one. No. (laughs) I read another great book. (laughs) Um, (laughs) well. (laughs) Okay, so this week's book is a novella? Yeah. A novella? Venus and Furs by Leopold von Sacker Massach. So it was written in 1870, and as his name suggests, uh, explores themes of masochism. So masochism, for those of you who don't know, is the practice of seeking pain or humiliation because the person finds it pleasurable. And this is something that we know that von Sacker Masoch, uh, yeah really enjoyed during his life. How do we know that? From reading his biography. <laughs> so we think that um, a lot of the inspiration from this book came from his relationship with his previous lover, who is in um, uh, a similar sort of, I suppose, dom-sub relationship with, and his wife, who then later divorced him because she felt very much pressured into being, uh, or to exercising his... Fantasies. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Not great. No, and I think that's something that will come up later. Yeah, in, in it the sets the tone yes. for what we're going to be talking about okay. today. <laughs> so I suppose because this is a work of fiction, it's important that you guys know the plot because I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that not everybody has read it. I, yeah. And if you haven't, I mean, don't go rushing, to, it, <laughs> to be honest. Okay, so Severin. I mean, it is a pretty important work in like literature, I guess, um, in terms of like sexual literature. But I but expected that, it to be super sexy, and yeah, I was kind me of too. And important doesn't always mean good. Yeah, yeah. You know, the canon is made up of a lot of tripe. It is. It's made yeah. up of a lot of men, white men, always to yeah. each other's. Books. The European literary canon is a circle jerk, and <laughs> this is a very prominent jerk in that circle. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh, maybe also before we start, we should say that a novella, just to be clear, is um, basically just a short novel. Um, And thank Christ it was. Yeah, I know. Oh my goodness, if this had gone on much longer. Anyways, okay, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Severin, um, who to be honest, we can literally just refer to as Leopold von Sacker-Massach, I think. But perhaps we should keep it at Severin because that is easier to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Severin is a nobleman and he falls in love with Wanda, who is a, yeah, they describe her as a widow and it turns out she's only like 24, so she's a hot young thing. Yeah. So Severin... Also, Wanda is like the least sexy name maybe possible. I know. And he keeps kind of wailing. Wanda. Wanda. <laughs> and it's just like, what? It just makes me think, was in Where's Wally, was there a character of Wanda yeah, that you Wanda also had was, to find? Yeah. Uh, or yes, is that I a fiction? So. Yeah, okay, that is real. Nice. <laughs> and Wanda's somebody else as well. Oh my God, from Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. <laughs> she I was think... pretty sexy in her defense, in a way. She was a cartoon. <laughs> For a cartoon. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, you know that classic cartoon mom silhouette? She got it going on. Thick as heck. Yeah. Like uh, Miss, Mrs. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can, to be fair, there's a lot of, there is a lot of, there are a lot of sexy cartoons. I mean, that's maybe the content for another episode. Ooh. But <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Okay. So Severin, back to the plot, is of a belief that the only type of woman he can love is one who can, is completely virtuous as his wife or else someone who knowingly dedicates their life to pleasure. And although Wanda has stated she loves Severin, she does not want to be his wife and wants to be allowed to continue loving all those who please her. 
Fair babes. I know. I listen. She's a modern woman, is Wanda. She's been married already. She had the misfortune of her husband dying when she was twenty two or something. And know? now she knows what she fucking wants. Exactly. And she's got this little weasel sniveling up to oh, her. Oh and do you know what? And she does anyways, look. She does <laughs> love him at first and he's the one that's like, No, you don't, you don't Wanda <laughs> Why? <laughs> Okay, so Severin can't bear to be without her, so begs Wanda to make him her slave instead so that he can always be with her. His ideal is a Venus in furs, a woman that can be a despot over him so that he can fully worship and adore her. And he states on many occasions that he loves the lash of the whip, being humiliated, and will allow her to sleep with other men as he will worship her all the more. Mm -hmm. However... (laughs) When she does this, he becomes super whiny and upset, and she eventually leaves him tied to a pillar after receiving a lashing from her new suitor. More, I, have I left anything out there? Yeah, I mean, the sniveling part just kind of goes on. I think it needs on. to be emphasized. It needs to be emphasized that he is very much like, oh, woe is me, she's done yeah. what I asked. <laughs> yeah. And like, she's, he's like, there's just like long periods of him being like i am so hungry and so angry at her and it's just like shut up like you asked for this (laughs) he he never gets mad at her for the things um that she does which surprise him or that he didn't necessarily consent okay so this is going to be a huge topic but consent to he's always angry about the things that actually he have been stated yeah to her that that he wanted and that yeah Maybe we should say that at the end of the book, she finds a new lover who is actually quite uh, dominating towards her and she loves it. And then she leaves Severin, Snively Severin. Oh no, but she he also goes of his own will at the end. Uh, to be honest, it's all very confusing. Like it's just a lot it of... Is. Oh, There's a lot of tune and frank. However, the moral at the end, he says, is whoever allows himself to be whipped deserves to be whipped. And somehow... That woman, as nature has created her and as man is at present educating her, is his enemy. She can only be his slave or his despot, but never his companion. This she can become only when she has the rights as he and is his equal in education and work. Which, to be honest, is like a very feminist kind of ending. And I read it and I was like, what? I know. Where did that come from? Obviously, it's great. It's a great sentiment. But what? <laughs> I know. I just don't know how we got to equal yeah. rights for women. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we should yeah. outline the, Sorry. You can tell that we didn't thoroughly enjoy this book. Um, but maybe we should go on to the themes that we're going to discuss this episode, which are consent, racial power structures, the question of whether or not Wanda actually has the power, the Madonna horror complex, romanticism as a genre, and masochism restriction and its relationship to faith so before we get started properly aileen would you rather whip or be whipped we all know i think it's glaringly obvious that i would much rather be whipped nice and morag do i even need to ask (laughs) the question Well, anyone who knows me knows that my dream job is being a dominatrix and having lots of, yeah, snivelly men being, paying me thousands of, of euros. Of dollars. I was about to say of monies, (laughs) of whichever money they choose Um, to let me uh, beat them up essentially in a consensual way, of course, but I think that would bring me a lot of joy. I think you'd be really good at it. Thank you so much. And I think it'd be super hot, actually. Thank you so much. I mean, I would nearly pay. I mean, <laughs> would you like to? No. <laughs> okay, moving on from moving that. On. Um, <laughs> yeah, as I just said um, in my dream job description, consent is key in the field of domination. Aileen, would you like to start us off? Sure, yes. Um... So for me, issues surrounding consent in this book are largely why I couldn't get super into it. Okay. Um, I felt like no one was really getting off that much um, because I was, I don't know how into it either of them were. I felt that there was issues of consent um, surrounding both characters in that for Wanda, this was never really what she wanted. She didn't feel herself naturally falling into the position of... um, 
I suppose a dom yeah um or a despot as he calls her yeah um but you know she seemed to only really be doing it because she didn't want to lose him in that moment yeah um wanted to fulfill some of his desires and mainly didn't want to be his wife and for him he could only really love her or view her in terms of um if she could be his wife or else if she was going to um yeah I suppose completely dominate him yeah um that's how he viewed women he said he could really only love women that were either one of these two yeah. whilst also giving a lot of hints that he didn't really believe um that women ever could be properly virtuous that they would always yeah. fall um so I think that for Wanda this was um yeah, I don't think she really wanted it. And she was also very much afraid that she would go too far, that it would yeah. um, release something in her character that she was afraid of. And we never get with Wanda. With Severin, we get hints of how it sexually arouses him. Like yeah. from the beginning, when he's talking about his... He has an encounter with, I think it's his aunt. Yeah. And he's been a bad boy. And mm-hmm. uh, she like smacks him and... like chastises him for his bad behavior and he just is like wow this is the woman for me yeah <laughs> and he's which like, i love i love yeah that. that's really cool like as an opening kind of image yes. to his desires however there is like yeah wanda never really talks about becoming sexually aroused from no. her role in this relationship it's always and i mean this is classic isn't it like it's always the man's point of view yeah. which is highlighted but whenever she is getting into the dominating, her dominating role, it's never really in a sexual way. It's more like she's just playing a character. Which I think would be fine. Yeah. Um, except for she often comes out of it being like, you must hate me. You must think I'm awful. Do I not seem so ugly to you? Yeah. Um, she has a lot of guilt about it. Yeah. It really feels like she's she's forced into it. Be- yeah, as you were saying, because she doesn't want to lose him. Mm. There's actually a really nice quote, I think, um, just to kind of sum up her her waves of wanting to be a dominatrix and mm. her feelings of guilt. On page 61, she's uh, it says, Silence, slave, she suddenly scowled with a savage look and struck me with the whip. A moment later, she threw her arm around me and pityingly bent down to me. Did I hurt you? She asked, half shyly, half timidly. Which is just bad writing. I mean, they both mean the same thing. But anyways, (laughs) no, I replied. And even if you had, pains that come through you are a joy. Strike again if it gives you pleasure. But it doesn't give me pleasure. And that just, I don't know, like, I I felt really sad when I read that, like... Oh, yeah, you just want them both to be into it. And it's like, what's the point otherwise? Mm. Like, this just seems to be painful for both of them. Because even though, Sever- and this is the other thing, it's like, it, there, it's it's not just Wanda, even Severin, who, yes, does have more, there are uh, more incidents where it's clear that he does get aroused from this. But yeah. he, there's also, for the majority of the book, he's absolutely fucking miserable. Yeah. He, you know, she does take it quite far. She really makes him a complete slave, as in he's carrying her furs. He sits in the third class car. She sits in the first. He carries all of uh, her trunks everywhere. He scouts out houses for her. He doesn't eat with her. Um, Maybe we should say at this point that both of them are from the nobility. So for yes. him, this is a real departure from his yes. uh, normal way of being and from his normal character, um, which does make it a more interesting kind of master-slave relationship because it's such a different lifestyle for him like Mm. he has to tend oh tend to her garden (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and carry her furs and like do all the chores for her and so I think yeah he's like there's certain points where he regrets his giving up of his privilege you know, when he's like cursing her because he's hungry or like tired or whatever. And it's like, babes, you asked for this. But that's the thing. It's like, it's such a privileged um, fantasy. Yeah. I fantasy. Okay. And the, like, I think that in the modern, um, I don't know, contemporary context, the idea of like master slave dynamic is yeah. one thing. But in this, uh, literally in this context of this book, the way he describes it and places himself in it, it's just. 
and then it seems so miserable. Yeah. To me, it's hilarious because it's like you had no idea of this life. Of yeah. course you didn't. You were going around just being a fancy little man in a suit. I mean, perhaps a radical take of this novel is like a really in-depth critique of the upper class. Yeah. <laughs> and their privilege, but somehow I doubt that. Um, but like even the fact that she's draped in furs, it's yeah. such a symbol of her wealth. And he's like weighed down by these furs. Mm. Perhaps that could be read. Maybe I'm going too far into it, but perhaps it could be read as a symbol of of that, of the privilege. I don't think so, because I mean, they consistently um, compare themselves to like Greek heroes and Greek legends and want to uh, compare their lifestyles to yeah. the pleasure and the luxury that people were able to live in back then. Uh, I know I don't think it's too far of a stretch at all actually thank you so much for your validation so <laughs> um, but more in consent is that they draw up a contract between them basically Wanda sets out her terms and Severin signs it off and this is something that we would have also seen in Fifty Shades of Grey if you were so inclined to watch it nice were you inclined to watch it <laughs> I did. You know what? I actually watched Fifty Shades of Grey maybe two years ago. So it was after the hype. So I don't really have an excuse. I actually never watched it and I've never read it. But I do vividly remember being on holidays in Greece and every single woman at the pool reading it. Reading it. And my mother calling it fucking type. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'd say it is actually. But my point is that so like Fifty Shades of Grey, the contract here for me, it draws up much, many more issues than I think it solves. Yeah, I would agree. Even though the contract, they both sign it. Severin is almost coerced into mm. signing it under Wanda's terms, which is also very strange because she's written it to abide by his terms. But then her terms go maybe a little bit further than what he yes. expected. But she is much, is very much like, well, you want to be my slave, so you're going to sign this. Yeah. But that's not really how consent works. No, and also that she seems to basically, within the contract, it states that she can do absolutely anything to him that she wishes. And she can also, like, give him up as her property to other people to do what they wish. She can kill him is another part of it. And actually is that if he doesn't want to be her slave anymore, that he can kill himself. Yeah. Which is horrific. And for me, then this raises the question of, of, can you consent to something if you, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You can't consent to someone doing uh, what they wish to you because you don't know know what that is. Yeah. And that's something that comes up later. I mean, that's why I feel like, oh my God, every second page, you hear (laughs) this, Wanda. (laughs) Yeah. Like he gets annoyed about having to bring her. Like her tea and her breakfast. And, and her luggage. <laughs> and it's like, what did you think being a slave was? I know. Yeah, maybe he's also annoyed. As annoyed as we are that it's not as sexy as he imagined. That it is just more hard labour. Yeah, I think that probably is it. <laughs> yeah. That is what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, okay. And there's also another interesting point where um, Severin hands over all of his money and his passport to yeah. Wanda. Which is really... Yeah, it really solidifies that he has given over control because obviously money is power. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? How do you think that affects consent if you are... Yeah, it raises interesting questions about power and consent yeah. because if someone is in a position of authority over, or a position of power over you, how can you ever truly consent? I mean, you can't when you're in fear... I don't know if this is necessarily true for the book, but I mean, in general, you cannot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're in fear that you will be without a home, without yeah. uh, any sort of income, I mean, then that's. Um, it's not. Consensual. You don't have free will. You don't. You yeah. can't move freely. And I don't think that ever came into it um, in the in Venus and Furs so much until he wanted to leave her. Yeah. And then he realized okay I actually can't get very far I don't have my passport and I don't have money it's very complex because he did agree to it and yes I mean he changed his mind <laughs> which <laughs> once again should be allowed in any context yeah exactly but it's not in no in this one so yeah the contract is very confusing to me <laughs> for me though I, okay 
With regards to the contract, I actually think Wanda was going to let him break it. Yeah. And it was Severin that held himself to it. Oh, yeah. That's really all I had to say about that. <laughs> to be honest. Well, that was a great point, eh? <laughs> okay, moving on. We've talked about consent now for a while. So let's yeah. move on to the next topic. Uh, yeah. Racial power structures. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm excited about this section, but I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, we can't gloss over this. No, it's such all. a huge part of the novel, which probably was glossed over at the time of its publication because the inherent racism of the text was also inherent in the society of the mm. time. So yeah, let, let's talk about it. Wanda has three black female servants and these are very interesting characters. They're not given names. They don't speak. And yet, they are also taking part in the domination of mm. Severin, but it's on a very different level than Wanda. And they are only kind of tools in her domination over Severin. Mm -hmm. And Severin actually doesn't find himself becoming aroused yeah, almost ever by these three women. Which is interesting because there is a scene where they whip him, yeah. which whenever it has come from Wanda, he's... Oh, he it's this these have been the moments where it's uh, it's the, the height of clear. his sexual pleasure exactly yeah. his pleasure from this only seems to come from it that it's an, an act from wanda yeah it was on under wanda's command that it came um which because which later on in the book is interesting because wanda like we said previously her new lover uh this greek gentleman yes whips I, not a gentleman a man <laughs> a man no, he's not a gentleman yeah uh, whips severin and severin before he becomes too humiliated he expresses that he has gained pleasure from it so you have to ask yourself why is it that he doesn't feel like these women are i suppose uh dominating him or above him uh, and give him then that satisfaction of being feeling below or beneath someone yeah. or humiliated. Um. Well, I think his lack of arousal or a lack of admission of arousal is very much to do with the fact that he can never see black women as equal. Mm. He can see Wanda as equal to a point. And so by her dominating him, it's a kind of interesting power play for him and he can allow himself to be dominated. Whereas he can never give the black women in this text enough power over him. So mm. it's not even domination. It's just an act Yeah. for him. Do you know what I mean? Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Then there's another interesting part also. I don't can't remember which page it's on. Yeah, 113. Where he glances a sneaky look at one of the I know. black and Wanda women. loses it. She goes ballistic. Yeah, and he's yeah. His description of the of the the black women in this, I mean, it's obviously like a fucking eye roll. It's super but sexualized, super sexualized, and like he's really underlining like their barbarism and mm. their like wildness you know it's yeah he describes uh one of them as the black devil yeah and admires uh, another for her almost european cast of countenance yeah um <laughs> she's only beautiful because she's a little bit european yeah looking, which is despicable despicable <laughs> I find it despicable. It is despicable. <laughs> um, and then there's also, so Wanda's newer lover, uh, the Greek was, uh, is also super racist. Everyone in this oh, book Oh yeah, racist. he's renowned for his race hatred. Um, and in, that's why she admires him. Yeah, which is so grim. Because, so this Greek soldier guy that Wanda actually ends up being dominated by is he fought in like a Greek war against the Turks, but he is renowned by everyone who looks at him and they, they whisper about his race hatred towards the Turks and his unspeakable cruelty. And it's like, why is that what she admires? It's, it's very unsettling. And then also we talked about, so this book was written in 1870 and slavery, uh, slavery in Europe was abolished 
had been abolished by then. Yeah, but um, it was very recent, recently yes. abolished, like maybe 20 years before yes. this. So, and I'm not sure when this book is necessarily set. Yeah. Although they do say that slavery is uh, illegal and they think consider moving somewhere where it's legal. So yeah. uh, Severin can be openly her slave. And then they decide, no, it's far more entertaining to do it in the civilized world. Yeah. Uh, in Europe, where um, it'll be much more humiliating for him to be so below her. Yeah. But then you do have to ask questions of, um, obviously people that were working in servitude then like what we talked before about consent and if you have no money if you have no um documents i mean what free will really do you have in in that situation and the three black women that she has as her servants like they're often described as being naked and like Mm -hmm. completely under her whim and yeah it just makes me feel a bit uncomfortable because it obviously is so closely it is written so soon after Mm -hmm. slavery was abolished it makes you wonder what those women's lives were actually like yeah. underneath Wanda's rule. I know, because also, yes, we know absolutely nothing about them besides, okay, they served this plate here. They yeah. tied Severin to a post here. There's yeah. nothing uh, more. They have no personalities. Characters. They exactly. don't have names. They don't say anything. And also, we're not going to say what they're referred to as throughout the text, but it's not a nice term. No. Um, so, yeah, this book is dripping in racism Mm. and maybe another point that we could talk about on this topic also is how venus and by extension wanda is so idealized because of her paleness Mm. and her white marble yeah it's so often referenced and like there's lots of art in the book and lots of viewing of paintings there's a painter character who Mm -hmm. Wanda kind of allows into her home who falls in love with her and they talk about how white her skin is how she is radiant in her Mm. paleness and it's just such a icky dichotomy um yes of barbarism with these three female servants and Wanda's exactly particularly when you see them being described as the black devil as opposed to Wanda's you know she's a a goddess goddess. yeah um and that's something that i think we still see to this day of whiteness being associated with purity uh, femininity purity and even like the fact that we wear a white dress or people wear a white dress on the wedding day it's like white is the ultimate symbol of yeah virginity and of purity (laughs) but it really says who i am that i my first thought there was that you're going to say a white dress on your communion day well, which is also <laughs> that <true>. too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on from this topic. And we've already kind of touched upon it, but now we're going to discuss in more detail whether or not Wanda actually has power in this text. What do you think? I actually, I think you've good, interesting ideas about this. And yeah? I think we differ a lot. I initially said no. Okay. I think it comes, it comes and goes in waves, to be honest. Yeah. Like... There were so many points where I was like, yes, Wanda. But then the whole underlying question of whether or not she wants to do this yeah. kind of calls that into question. Yeah. You know? So I guess initially she does have the power over him because she, they're both nobles, but she is even a higher uh, echelon of society. Oh, echelon. What a good really word. Nice. Yeah, Thank you. Um because she's so wealthy and he is like vying for her attention. She doesn't initially give it to him. And then she allows him uh, to, sedu- well, not even seduce her because he's fucking so pathetic, but uh, give her, she allows him to give her attention. Yeah. Uh, I do think she falls in love with him. Very yeah, much. I think she does as well. But it's in that very much like old fashioned way of like, I don't really know you. Yeah. But I'm, gonna die for you yeah. you know well and for me the, so my my debate with Wanda yeah. is that although she throughout the book definitely has the freedom to speak her mind yes you know there are many moments when she does uh I don't know um she expresses she what she back, wants yeah and you she know? isn't afraid to say to him like no. when she doesn't agree to something which is actually radical but it never seems to come into fruition in her actions. Like it doesn't seem to lead anywhere. She still goes back yeah. to doing what everyone wants. Um, so no matter how many times she 
says, are you sure you want me to do this? I'm not really feeling it. I think this is going too far. I don't think that you actually fully believe this. I think it's an ideal. She ends up going through with it. And there are other moments when she kind of totally concedes. And it's like, even though she had expressed she didn't want to be his wife, she then changes her mind and is like, I'll be your wife. Just to basically not have to do this. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just kind of infuriating because a part of me wants Wanda to completely lean lean into this role partly because I just love the aesthetic of being shrouded in furs and whipping a man um as a personal goal of mine (laughs) um so I do I'm kind of urging her to to lean into it but she just seems I don't know it's as if Severin has a gun to her head in in a sense Mm. because she's in love with him and she wants to make him happy but it's so against her character yeah and then when she does finally give in to his wishes and completely embrace the role he's like disgusted by her yeah and it's just okay so this is maybe where this quote is appropriate so she goes severin wanda began earnestly i haven't done anything yet not the slightest thing and you're already calling me heartless what will happen when i begin to carry your dreams to their realization when i shall lead a gay free life and have a circle of admirers about me when i shall actually fulfill your ideal Tread you underfoot and apply the lash. And then his response is, you take my dreams too seriously. What does that mean? <laughs> I hate, I hate Severin. I would, I would give him a lash, no problem, to be honest. No, but you wouldn't want to because then he'd like it too much. Or even worse, he'd start crying and I'd be like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Come on. But, yeah. And then another thing is that later on when Wanda does begin to find okay yes the Greek is an absolute brute and he's a horrific human yeah but there's a moment where Wanda loves him and then Severin's like nope he doesn't love you only I love you yeah and she's devastated yeah she's so um upset by this it's just like she seems so powerless in these moments where it's just you know even if she does have a little bit of power over Severin it's like she's still is a woman in the 1870s yeah <laughs> and is just waiting you know basically for a man for you know she can't not that she can't make the first move but seems to have no agency it's like she's waiting there being like will he love me in the right way yeah. Who's gonna lo-? I don't know yeah it is all very confusing because you really do as a reader I'm just wishing for her to take hold of this agency and then it's completely shattered when the Greek guy comes along. And she says... Yeah, he's terrific. She says on page 141, a master, woman needs a master. Yeah. And she adores him. She's always referring to herself as woman. I know. <laughs> with a capital W also. She, yeah. I, I really just, to be honest with you, Marek, I, I despise every single person in this book. <laughs> every single one? No, well, okay, I despise Severin, despi- I despise Wanda. I think I don't despise humans. Wanda. She's also fucking racist and... <laughs> yeah. Okay, I know we were playing a contemporary lens, but fuck it. Like, I'm sorry, she's also super snobby and... Yeah, she is. Also, but again, the aesthetic to- cave. <laughs> the aesthetic of the furs and... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um... Okay, so let's move on from this infuriating question and <laughs> move on to another infuriating topic Okay, of the Madonna whore complex. Okay, I know I said consent was my biggest issue with this book, but actually this is my biggest issue with the book. <laughs> um, I feel like I just wish that Severin would admit that he just really, this is what, is really attracted to he really enjoys being made feel inferior instead he applies it to this basically he tries to make it grander than it is yeah and say that a woman can only be madonna yes or whore the madonna whore complex yeah in that he can only be subjected to a woman um a woman's whims and her pleasures or else he can have a faithful wife and there is and no, there's in, no between. in between yeah oh my god jinx <laughs> what is that do you know how they say jinx in italian apparently yeah. chips personale <laughs> and i know that from my time as an italian au pair <laughs> i would love that chips personale <laughs> i have no idea what it means <laughs> um yeah so for him <laughs> and moving on <laughs> uh, but for him a woman is only good yeah if they're a faithful wife 
or a pleasure seeker. But equally, and he you also can't be faithful and also no. Enjoy he's also sex. like actually, you, women are never actually going to be a faithful wife anyway. Yeah, because it's all a lie. Because women are cruel so and evil. It's just a whore, whore, whore. Yeah, complex. It's a whore, whore complex. Yeah. <laughs> I think Severin just has a complex with women. Yeah, he I think he just hates women. That's what I'm saying here is yeah. that instead of just being like, I really like when my partner whips me yeah he's like i really like it because women are by nature yeah despots and pleasure seekers and so i might as well submit to them it's like man it ain't that deep you know yeah it really is not and an interest what i find oh god i say interesting a lot but this is interesting is about the, <laughs> like women will always fail to fulfill this madonna role because it's just it doesn't exist. It's a it, yeah. It's a perfect ideal which women can never fully accomplish. No matter how virtuous, how religious, how moral you are in the eyes of you know society, you will never be the perfect Madonna. And perhaps this book could then be read, or rather, the views of Severin could be read as progressive in its acknowledgement that women are imperfect. Mm-hmm. But I somehow doubt that he meant it in that way yeah and wanda also does take issue with this yeah wanda says that she can wait she says yeah Yeah. so she says women are neither as good as their admirers and defenders maintain nor as bad as their enemies make them out to be okay and this is the part that confuses us woman's character is characterless yeah whatever i'm not sure what she means by that okay the best women the best woman will momentarily go down into the mire and the worst woman unexpectedly rises to deeds of greatness and goodness and puts to shame those that that despise her. No woman is so good or so bad, but that any moment she is capable of the most diabolical as well as the most divine, of the filthiest as well as of the purest thoughts, emotions and actions. And I think that's... Yeah, she goes on then about how women have the nature of a savage. They're like, you know, as God made them first despite like the advances of civilization so it is obviously problematic but it's yeah she really has a finger on the fact that she will never or women in general will never be able to fulfill this ideal and to be honest i think if this book was written by a woman wanda would have said that a lot better you know 100 i mean the character uh, of wanda Wanda (laughs) is very she would be brilliant except for unfortunately she is written by Van Sacker Massach, who clearly does it, like Severin. Okay, yeah. I don't know him, but you know, has He's this. Dead. We're like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, has a, a warped perception of women. Oh yeah, completely. he hates them, and yet is like completely infatuated. By yes. Yeah, it's yeah. Ugh, it's infuriating. It, it, I know. You're telling me more. Um, we should also maybe talk about yeah. So as well as this, so this Madonna horror complex is obviously so such an old-fashioned binary and Aileen you had a really interesting point about the book being so binary yeah and I I mean this is what we've I look is has been the struggle for us constantly with this book is that we are applying a contemporary analysis to it but hey look we're reading in 2020 like yeah we're allowed to do that but this is my issue also with it is that everything in it obviously is so gender binary it's all like women are innately like this men are innately like this and I just think that if you even for like as soon as you take away the fact that um men and women are inherently like nothing this whole thing collapses (laughs) because it just wouldn't exist because the whole basis for this book is that like um this is the only way men and women can interact with each other and then as soon as you start to be like and it's about like women don't exist you know what I mean or like not that they don't exist but like that what you believe them to be is not you just made it up construct folks and this like biological essentialism as well of like women this is their nature yeah it's like they're they're, there's no other way for this story to be told because this is inherently how people are it's so boring and I mean we could present a, a, a critical and radical reading of this novel as perhaps a critique of the gender binary and that a strict adherence to this only leads to a dysfunctional relationship yeah yeah that's a very good point Aileen why don't we just round up all of the copies of this book and burn them I I don't believe in book burning (laughs) to be honest (laughs) is my main point on that but 
also do I believe in book burning censorship in that regards do I think some things should be censored absolutely do I I don't know anyways this should not be in the podcast (laughs) um okay so more I so this is in their romanticism genre Yes, it is. And I think you're the best woman to take this section away because you are a literary studies student. Yeah, Uh, and I am not only a literary studies student, but I'm a literary studies student who hates romanticism. Oh, wow, nice. (laughs) So, yeah, let's do a quick breakdown. And this is a relatively simple breakdown of romanticism. But it's important to note, firstly, that romanticism does not necessarily mean romantic. Um, So a romantic genre does not need to have romance and they're spelt with like a capital r um so it was a multidisciplinary movement and its main kind of era or the the years of most output was the 1830s to the 1850s and this book was still very much in the romantic area era but it was uh excuse me, it was uh, a later text from the era. So the kind of main features of romanticism is the notion of the sublime. And this is, I know, and this is the acknowledgement of the sublime nature of God's green earth and about finding the sublime in the natural, especially. So the romantic poets and romantic writers are super religious and God-loving. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and like there's a lot of uh, emphasis put on divine inspiration. Mm. So like God telling you to write about this one topic. And and that plays heavy in this book, I think. It does play heavy in it. Um, We also have an emphasis on sensuality and on the senses. Also plays heavy. It does. Uh, Severin constantly refers to himself as someone who is supra-sensual. Yeah. That's hard word to say. Super. Severin is soup. Is that this week's authoritarianism? It is, it is. Supersensual, supersensuality, which basically means he's a fucking soft boy. If he, we could honestly take quotes from this book, upload it to Beam Me Up Soft Boy, and I think it would make the Instagram. (laughs) Um, Shout out to Beam Me Up Soft Boy. (laughs) Beam Me Up up. Shop. Uh, I have had two six percent beers. <laughs> Clearly, it's taken a toll. Um, we also have uh, the romantic hero, which in this case is obviously Severin. And a big uh, thing about a romantic hero is their evolution of character and their moment of epiphany, which is in the last like five pages of this book when he <laughs> realizes that oh no. I don't actually like being whipped. I'm now cured. You know, it's... But this idea of being cured. Yeah. Cured from what and cured in the eyes of who? Yes. So going back to this relationship between romanticism and religion, morality is such a huge part of this novel. Mm -hmm. And at first I didn't really realize it. But then in the last chapter or the last segment of the text when he is talking about the cure and the radical cure being his his domination by Wanda and he's now seen the light at the end. And there's lots of like religious imagery that he talks about of being purified and they talk about being a martyr Mm. at several points during the book. He really wants to be a martyr (sighs) for Wanda. And it really... But is it even for Wanda? Is it just for himself? Maybe. I don't know. All I all it really reminded me of is this idea of, you know, that you're taught in Christianity of the more you suffer, the closer you are to God, yeah. that the more that, that God will look favorably is... on you. Um, and we even see this, I mean, with like the crucifixion of Christ. Of like, yeah. And that's what a lot of the, you know, there's so many saints that got their sainthood for being martyrs. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's so constant with Severin, like this self-flagellation. He's just punishing himself all the time and then this suffering bringing his redemption at the end Mm. and it's yeah I wonder if maybe this redemptive moral arc of the text was necessary in order to 
for the text to be printed at the time. I think that was, yeah, an interesting yeah. point that you raised. Yeah, we were talking in our... Um, <laughs> in our lives. Here's when I made we spent literally 24-7 <laughs> together. Um. Okay, so I guess the ultimate question of this text, Aileen, is, is this a feminist novel? Yeah, so... Do you know what? Okay, I know we've absolutely torn Severin's character to shreds. Um, <laughs> and Wanda's, to be fair, and, and everyone else. <laughs> you know, Van Sacker, Massox. Yeah. Part of me thinks yes. Okay. I mean, this sort of discussion of a uh, kinky relationship yeah. is very feminist. I mean, the bringing up of, like, sex is super feminist. I do think that's what he was aspiring for. I it's mean, just maybe, in a very warped way. Yes, yeah. because I, I partly, because it was written in 1970 by this man who, yeah, maybe he just wasn't quite there yet. But <laughs> I, you know, do you think that like, okay, I mean, technically it has done a lot for feminism. I mean, it's brought about a whole like sexual movement. Yeah. You know, of masochism and people being able, having a word to talk about their sexual fantasies. Yeah, which in. is super important. It is super yeah. important. And you know, the whole BDSM movement is a very feminist movement. I yeah. mean, it, within that community, there's nothing more important than consent, actually, yeah. um, and care and uh, communication. I don't know if that, you know, and I, the bringing about, I don't think it necessarily brought about the, the, the notion of masochism, yes, but it, but it more did give put it a term it. so yeah. that people could, I suppose, place their fantasy somewhere. Yeah. And I guess, like, obviously we've talked about talked about how unhealthy this depiction is yes. of... Um, there's uh, no aftercare. Yeah. I mean, there's no after. It's just... And, you know, people are in 24-7 dom-sub relationships yeah, which that are wonderful. Yeah, which is great. And where both partners or however many partners are involved are consenting and it's fun and it's sexy. Yeah. And I mean, giving up control can actually be place you in a in somewhere where you feel very safe and cared for and liberating as well like giving up control is one of the most liberating experiences you know because we're so i don't know we're so often required to do so many things 100 percent, be responsible for everything in our lives and so giving up control can be such a release yeah and that's so wonderful and should be encouraged yeah um but yeah this book doesn't really give a good uh blue blue print blueprint yes weird <laughs> that is funny that that escaped you i was gonna say bluetooth <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't really work <laughs> yeah um, but, uh, yeah yeah i guess at this point we just want to say that if you are in a successful consensual soap dom relationship fucking good for you but please don't be like Wanda and Severin because they're not what we want to aspire to here on the podcast. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think what the main reason is that we all want to be happy, right? And not, no one in this book seems very happy. No. And speaking of happiness, Aileen. Okay, to end <laughs> the podcast, we do every week we're going to do something sexy that has brought us joy so this week is my turn she's getting very red ladies and gentlemen (laughs) (laughs) lots of things have brought me sexual joy (laughs) this week um sexy polaroids uh 10 out of 10 would recommend take them give them to your lovers your friends maybe not your family but maybe your family i don't know put it Um, up on your bookshelf put it on your bookshelf as i've done which my housemates didn't know about Uh, oh i've been pleased uh, to find it so every time I look to my bookshelf I'm like oh there I am uh, living my best life looking wonderful <laughs> looking wonderful feeling fine uh, <laughs> sexy polaroids really cannot polaroids are very flattering oh yeah they really blur I've never seen a bad polaroid taken of anybody <laughs> all right <laughs> let's play us out no Most. we have our thank yous oh fuck I can do it if you want yeah So thank you so, so much for listening to this at times chaotic episode of Two Sluts, One Book. 
We wanted to thank our wonderful producer, Jesse Connell, who is magical in every way. We also wanted to thank our wonderful patrons for this week, who are Rachel Bergen. Thank you so, so much for your pledge on Patreon. And Megan Oliver, thank you so much for your support and your wonderful gifts that we received in the mail. We love you both endlessly. And thank you again to everyone that sent us warm wishes. Yes, it was a very lovely time after releasing our first episode I felt very loved me too and I felt so vulnerable with the first episode me too. it was so nerve-wracking it was and people have been well obviously you're not you're gonna not gonna bitch about us to our faces <laughs> yeah and laugh at us there but it was really uh I we felt really special actually it so was thanks. very very heartwarming thank yeah. you so so much Radio. so next time we're going to be reading come as you are the surprising new science that will transform your sex life by Dr. Emily Nagoski this has rec- received so much acclaim. Yeah. And so many people have requested mm-hmm. that we talk about this on the podcast. So we're really looking forward to it. And we hope you guys are too. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Slots One Book. And if you would like to support us financially, you can find us on Patreon and OnlyFans for some more adult content at, as always, Two Slots One Book. On both of these platforms, um, on our OnlyFans and on our Patreon, we will be releasing this week a very special reading of the Troy Chronicles, some erotic uh, fiction by the wonderful Samantha Salmon, who is a genius, a goddess. I know. And we're so excited to put it out there for you. So we so hope to find you there. Samantha, <laughs> if you're listening, please, please, please get in contact. Okay. Can you imagine if Samantha Salmon became I a patron? I would lose my shit. I think she would pledge a lot. I think she would become our top tier patron. Top bitch in charge. She made a lot from the Troy Conicle. The Troy Oh my goodness. <laughs> Professor <What>? McGonagall. <laughs> she made a lot from the Troy Chronicles. And on that note, we hope to find you there. <laughs> See you next episode, folks. Let's play this one out. We love you. She's got it. (laughs)